Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Well, hey, uh, if you are uh, joining us for the first time, we have been in a series called Pursuit for the last couple of weeks. And uh, we've been talking about how to start this year off strong, this decade off strong, chasing after Jesus with every bit of our heart and every bit of our passion. Uh, We just concluded a seven-day fast. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, How many have never wanted a hamburger more than you do right now? Come on, yeah. Welcome to the team. But uh, I, let me say this. It has been so inspiring to hear the stories of people in our church who jumped in and fasted for the first time in their, in their adult life or in their spiritual journey, uh, just hearing about breakthrough and some amazing things taking place. So I just want to say it is an honor to be a part of a community that is willing to sacrifice at that level to see God move in our lives and in our city and in our communities. So thank you for jumping in head first and running after Jesus in this fast. Uh, if you didn't, that's totally cool. But if you did, um, there's more rewards for you. It's great. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but today we are going to conclude this series. And uh, we've been talking about how to leave the past behind and chase down the future that God has for us, uh, how to knock, knock, knock on heaven's door and pray passionate prayers for things that we haven't seen answered yet. Uh, last week, we talked about how to deepen our faith and destroy unbelief through fasting. And my goal today is to tie a little bow on this series, if I could, and challenge you, inspire you, admonish you to jump in no matter where you're at on your journey of faith, whether you've been on this for 20 years or today's your first moment to jump in head first and run after Jesus with all your passion this year. I'm going to call you to the table. I'm going to ask you to take a step over the line and to move forward in your faith today. Um, but I think in order to do that, in order for us to let go of everything and move forward into what God has for us, we all have to be convinced of a truth I want to explore over the next couple of moments. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Very simple. God is greater than good. God is greater than good. Now, I know that's a slightly perplexing and kind of like mythic kind of statements, but let me me break it down a little bit. Um, Years ago, my wife and I were youth pastors, and we did a series in our youth ministry called God is Greater Than, and then we left this this blank line for students to fill in, and we said, you guys get to determine what we're going to preach about over the next couple of weeks. Uh, We're going to set up a chalkboard, and we're going to set up a video camera, and uh, we'll put it in some curtains so that no one sees what you're writing down, but I want you to walk up to this chalkboard, and I want you to write in that blank space what you're believing God is greater than, and then we will preach to that effect for the next couple of weeks. And it was a really telling moment. It was a powerful moment as students walked into this little booth and they began to write things down because we got to see what people were walking through. People would write things down like, God is greater than abuse. God is greater than addiction. God is greater than my parents' divorce. God is greater than depression. God is greater than thoughts of suicide. And it got real fast. And so for weeks, we, we, we spoke about the fact that God was greater than all of these things that our students were walking through. It was a powerful series. But at the conclusion of it, there was this, this nagging feeling, this conviction in my spirit that, that we'd only told half the story, that we had only invited people to half of the journey, if you will. We spent a whole lot of time telling people to respond to Jesus because he was greater than a whole lot of really bad stuff. And if Jesus is just greater than a whole bunch of bad stuff, then who wouldn't sign up for the journey? By the way, just for the record, he is greater than a whole lot of bad stuff. If you're in the room this morning and you are sick in your body, he's greater than your sickness. If you're in lack, he's greater than your lack. If your marriage is on the rocks, he's greater than what looks like an eminent divorce and he can bring you back together again. He is greater than anything we face on this planet. And there is truth to that statement. But there's another truth that we must be convinced of if we're truly going to follow after Jesus. And that is he's also greater than good. 
See, Jesus made a lot of statements on the planet when he walked. He, he made statements like, uh, come to me and I'll heal your sickness. Come to me, cast your burdens upon me. I'll make it light for you. Like a lot of great benefits and promises. But he also made some statements like this. Hey, when you come to me and you follow me, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to create some enemies. In fact, some people might reject you because you've said yes to me. There might be persecution on the other side of your yes. For some of you who aren't uh, lucky enough to live in America, th there might even be death on the other side of your yes. But great is your reward in heaven if you're willing to sacrifice the things of this life in order to follow me. Jesus didn't just say, hey, sickness, blindness, stuff, healing, great, come. He made it clear there is a cost to following me. Let me say it like this in light of our series. There is a price to pursue it. And we must know that or we will sign up for only half of the journey. See, for those of us who just fasted for the last seven days, uh, food is good. Amen. But God is greater than good. For the testimony we got, money is good. That's not an anti-biblical statement. Money is good. We need money to pull off everything that we're doing here. The love of money is bad, but money is good. But God is greater. My wife and I, we had a good life before we came to San Francisco. I had a $1,400 mortgage payment. I had parking in front of my house. I had a summer that felt like summer. Like, it was a great life. But God was greater than the good that we were experiencing. And now I get to live in the fulfillment of what's greater because I was willing to let go of what was good in order to lay hold of God's best for me. God is greater than our good. And the price is always worth it. And so for the next couple of moments, I want to unpack this and explore it a little bit. And if you're taking notes, you can write down the title of this chat. We are going to call it The Price of Pursuit. And uh, I want to look at one scripture, well, two verses, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to unpack these very simple scriptures for the next couple of moments, but not, not a lot to read through today. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, uh, it says this, Then he, Jesus, said to the crowd that was following him, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must deny yourself Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, then you will truly find it. Let's pray and we're going to get into this. Jesus, we love you this morning. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, right now into this room and into our hearts to change some things, to shift some things. We actually believe as we gather together in your name that your word and your presence have the power to change our lives so today, as we're challenged to step over a line over the next couple of moments, I pray that no one would be hesitant, no one would hold back, but that all of us would be fully surrendered to your will. Regardless of the cost, we would say yes to you, and we'd step into the preferable future that you have for every single one of us. We give you our hearts right now, our minds right now. We silence every distraction so that we can hear from the Holy Spirit. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Um, there is a uh, segment of society that I want to refer to today as the extras, people who are a little bit extra. Uh, if you're under 30, you might know what that means. Uh, uh, but for the rest of us, let me just clarify. Um, I'm not talking about the people who don't get paid for acting inside the shows because they don't have any lines. That's not what I mean when I say extra. I mean the uh, source of all wisdom and truth, urban dictionary definition of the word. Uh, it says somebody who always goes a little bit over the top. They're always doing a little bit too much. You always know if this person's in the room, it's going to get a little bit extravagant. And uh, this truth, it kind of manifests itself in a bunch of different areas of life, but uh, let's pick a few. Um, 
Anyone know any extra decorators? People who like have decorations for every holiday, whether it's worth having decorations for or not, they transform their whole home? No, okay, just a couple of us, yeah. Uh, I I know some people uh, in my life who have decorations for every holiday, including the ones that nobody celebrates, like maybe just one segment of society, like the Irish, and they celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but the whole house turns green, and you're like, I'm pretty sure the Irish don't even celebrate it this much, that's awesome. Uh, How about this, Uh, the extra shoppers, anyone who can't say no to a sale? Okay, getting a little more honest in church. Let me ask it this way. How many of you own something in your closet that you do not wear? Okay, thank you for the love of God. All right, yeah. Jesus knows, all right? You might as well just be honest right now. Can't say no, gotta buy it. I'm a little extra when it comes to shopping. But um, I think this truth proves itself no more prominently than uh, in the area of travel. Anyone know someone who might be a little bit of uh, extra when it comes to packing, the overpacker when it comes to a trip. See these guys in the airport, TSA empties all their stuff, and they're like sitting on their suitcase trying to zip it up and get it back together. Yeah, the extra overpackers. Um, I don't mean to brag, but um, my wife and I, we can actually get away for about 10 days with just one of these, with a carry-on. It's, I know, it's a gift. God gave it to me. It's whatever. It's fine. But um, we, we are not the overpackers. She has not always been this way. Uh, confession, truth time. When we went on our honeymoon, she had two giant suitcases filled with clothing on the way to Hawaii. And I looked at her as we were leaving the house. I'm like, babe, what are you doing? Why do you have all that luggage? We're going on our honeymoon. You don't need all those clothes. Hey. <laughs> so she's learned. And now we vacation out of one of these. Uh, but not everybody in my family is uh, quite as gifted when it comes to packing. Um, someone who will remain nameless, my father, who's sitting in the front row, um, <laughs> he is perhaps the worst offender when it comes to overpacking. I've been on many trips with this guy, and I'm amazed to see what comes out of his suitcases uh, as we make our way out of the airplanes and into the hotels. Uh, years ago, um, when I think my wife and I had been married for a couple years, my grandfather, before he passed away, decided he wanted to take our entire family on a trip to Italy. And it was like the trip of a lifetime. Two weeks, we went up and down uh, the coast, and we went to, to Florence and Rome and Pisa. I mean, it was amazing, just an incredible trip. Um, and most of us packed appropriately for the trip to Italy, but uh, my father, brought not one, but two giant suitcases uh, filled. And then he also had a carry-on. I think he had a backpack. And as every good man over 50 does, he had one of those fanny packs around him. And so, I mean, it was, it looked like he was moving to Italy. Like everything he owned was inside these suitcases. And uh, the problem with packing that much when you go on an international trip is that you can't carry all of your own luggage. And so you have to force others around you to lug your stuff around. And so uh, we get to Venice where there is no public transportation. You have to walk everywhere. And my dad's, you know, forcing the rest of us to to carry all of his luggage around. So we're making our way through the streets and everyone's sweaty and we're hungry. And my wife, Mary, and I have lost a toenail out of the deal because of a piece of my dad's luggage. It was just whatever. But as every good family member does when you travel together, you just bottle it all up and you wait for a moment about halfway through the trip where you just explode, and then you hit each other. It's great. And so, uh, is that just me? Oh, okay. Uh, and so, uh, we, we finish up in Venice, and we're headed out to the next city, and we leave our hotel and hike for, I don't know, 40 miles or whatever to get to the train. And we get to this train. Finally, we're sweaty. We unload all the suitcases. We sit down, take a breath, finally in the air conditioning. And my dad looks up at the rest of us as we're sitting around on the train, gets this really goofy grin on his face. He's like, hey, um, <laughs> Anyone want to play a game? 
Like, what are you talking about? Again. And he goes to one of his giant checked bags and he opens it up. And I kid you not, it is filled to the brim with board games. (laughs) Risk, Monopoly, Scrabble, like board games from the United States. I'm like, what is the matter with you? Is adult emancipation a thing? Can I like leave this family now? Like, what is the deal? And it was at that moment that I lost it and uh, we exchanged words and it was great. And then the rest of the trip went on. But here's the thing. I like board games as much as the next guy. I love Monopoly, one of my favorite games. But Italy is better than board games, is it not? Like, that is a trip of a lifetime, and there are certain things you do not bring on a trip like that. A suitcase full of board games is probably near the top of the list of things that you do not bring on that journey. It just doesn't make sense. Now, before I beat my dad up any further, I'm going to make a suggestion to all of us in the room, and that is, I think that everyone has a little bit of an overpacker on the inside of them. We all have a similar propensity, if you will. Maybe you can make it for two weeks in Italy out of a carry-on, but I think when it comes to this journey of faith that many of us are on, following Jesus, I think a lot of us attempt to bring things on the journey that simply do not belong. Things that we probably should have left back there in the past. Uh, Let me explain. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9 to this crowd of people that's following me, he says, hey guys, let me... Let me make it clear. Let, 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 me, let me make it clear what it looks like to follow me, okay? The rules of engagement are as follows. If you want to be my follower, if you want to be a disciple, here's what it's going to take. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and then you qualify to follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross. That, that word deny in the Greek, it literally means to disassociate. To absolutely dissolve any relationship you had with somebody else or something else. In other words, now that I'm on this journey of faith with Jesus, I'm letting go of everything I understood before, my plans before. I'm I'm divorcing the old me. I'm cutting off the old me. And I am entirely focused on Jesus and the future he has for me. That is the only aim. That is my only affection. That is my only direction. This guy is gone and here's the new me. And then he takes it a step further and he says, not only do you need to deny yourself, but you need to take up your cross daily and then you can follow me. Now, that is an incredibly bold statement. I think often as Christians, we tend to minimize, maybe even romanticize this idea of the cross because when we think of the cross, who do we see? We see Jesus up there. Like, there's Jesus. He's died for my sins and now I have freedom and this is great. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, hey, if you're going to follow me, then just remember my cross and then you can follow me. No, he said, you actually have a cross in this whole ordeal. You're going to have to pick up your own cross and then you can follow me. If you want a modern translation of that, it would be as if to say, you can take up your electric chair now and you can follow me daily. This is a suicide mission. You are dead. You're a dead man walking. Not in a bad way, but dead to the old you and alive now in Christ. Like, there is no association. In fact, there's been a burial of the old person. You got to take that thing up every single day and remind yourself, it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives on the inside of me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. I don't know about you, but that is definitely not the gospel we hear peddled very often in America. Daily death, self-denial, 
I, I don't know. Like, if you were to come to the Discover class next week and hear a little bit more about the church and say, I want to jump in on this journey with the Father's house. This sounds great. That's definitely not what we're selling over there, all right? Hey, guys, come on. It's going to be great. So glad that you decided to follow Jesus. Here's what it's going to feel like. Dying every single day in self-denial. Hands in the middle. Jesus on three. Let's go. <laughs> that doesn't sell. In a culture like the one we live in that is obsessed with self-care and comfort, the, uh, the treat yourself generation, <laughs> the idea of self-denial and daily death is not one that's easy to stomach. But this is how Jesus preached. Yes, there were benefits. Of course there are. The life he has for you is so much greater. But there is also a cost. And then just to make sure that we're all on the same page, uh, Jesus, he amplifies it one more time and says, just, just to be clear, before you step over the line, I need you to know something. In verse uh, 24 of Luke chapter 9, he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, then you will truly find it. If you try to cling to your old life, you're going to lose it. I want to camp on that statement, if I could, for just a moment, because I think the reason that Jesus said it is that so many of us try to do it. To cling to our old life and bring it on the journey. I think if we're honest, many of us would say, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus, but I got this, I got this piece of luggage and some stuff I'm trying to drag along. I see it all the time. Every week, people, I'm, I'm ready to follow Jesus. It's going to be amazing. Jesus, I'm coming. Let's go. Oh, man, it's going to be great. And Jesus looks back. He's like, I am so glad that you finally said, man, I've been waiting for this moment. Welcome to the family. Thank you for coming to follow me. Real quick, what's, what's in the bag? Oh, um, um, this? Um, I, <laughs> nothing? Just, just some snacks, you know, for the journey and just a couple things I wanted to bring along. Okay, okay. Um, here's the thing. If I'm going to take you into what I have for you, um, there's some things that can make it and some other things that can't. So we just need to be clear real quick. I need to see what's in there to ensure that it belongs on the journey. So, so, so can you open up the bat? Yeah, yeah, for sure, Jesus. Um, let, me, uh, let, me just, let me just get in here real quick. Um, just, just a couple things, you know, just nothing crazy. Like, um, just, uh, I got a, uh, I got this relationship. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and um, I know she don't love you, clearly. Um, but... I just love her. I mean, she's amazing. We've been together for so long. I mean, we're living together now, but I, I mean, no, we're not, but well, you know everything, whatever. Um, but uh, I just, I think she's really great. And if we just give her a little more time, I mean, she'll come around, you know, like I could be a missionary. I could date somebody and bring them into the kingdom. Absolutely. Like it's, it's a, she's, she's got a great personality. She's, she's basically Christian Jesus. So I just thought she could, 
she could come along if, if I mean, if you're cool with that, you know, whatever. Son, I love you so much. Daughter, I, I love you so much. Um, but here's the thing. You, you can't be unequally yoked with somebody who doesn't love me because just as if an oxen were unequally yoked, one was weaker, one was stronger, eventually the stronger one is going to take the weaker one away. And if you allow this person to continue to hold on to your heart, they might drag you away from everything that I have for you. So I need the relationship to, to be laid down if you really want to follow me. <sighs> All right, fine. Well, I, I also have, um, I, I, got this, uh, I got this calendar, um, this schedule. Now, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I just want, I just want to make sure that we're clear on this. You know, I'm kind of a big deal around here. You know, I got this tech job and I make a lot of money and I got options and stocks and equities and, you know, it keeps me pretty busy. All right. So I uh, just want to make clear, like, I know you got those little things called small groups, <laughs> whatever that you do in the middle of the week. And they do that prayer meeting on Tuesdays, but some of us have things that are more important to do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes I got to work on the weekends. And so, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I will give you the first and the third Sunday of every single month. That is incredible course, unless I want to go to Tahoe for one of those, because, you know, it's really nice this time of year. So I'm going to give you one Sunday a month, but I'm fully surrendered. <laughs> yeah, son, um, here's the thing. Um, you actually make time for what's most important to you. If it matters, then you make room for it. And as much as I'd love for you to pencil me in on the 30th of January, um, I would actually like to be first in your life. I don't want to be one of many appointments that you keep or one of many things that you do in this life. I want to be your one and only. I want to sit on the throne of your heart. I want to be the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning and the last thing on your mind when you go to bed. I want all. So unless you're willing to surrender the calendar, I feel like this is getting real. Okay, let's just throw this one in here for real quick. Um, how about this one? I got all kinds of fun toys in here. Jesus, I, I need you to see something. I got this vision for my future, and it is amazing. Just take a look, okay? So here's what happens. I graduate from college, all right? And then I immediately go off to this tech company where they pay me way more money than anyone should make out of college, okay? Now, I'm going to be there for like eight and a half months, and then after that, I'm going to go to another place, and then about another eight months later, I'm going to go to another place, but it's going to take me to the other side of the country, and then, you know, I'm going to float around for a little bit. I'm never really going to get to plant anywhere and establish any roots, whether it's a church or a community or people or whatever, but man, a decade from now, I'm finally going to arrive at this place that I'm so looking forward to, and then, then I'm going to be fully committed. <laughs> oh, I've heard that story a million times before. Parents are the worst at this, too, by the way. Parents who've got a, a vision for the kid's future as they graduate from high school, never once consulting Jesus about his plan for their life, just wondering if their agenda can make its way into their kid's future. And Jesus would say, hey, 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 I love you too much to let you go that far down a road that I haven't planned for you. My future, my plan, it is so much greater than the one that you've got envisioned for yourself. If you will lay down the vision you've got, if you will lay down the schedule, if you'll lay down the relationship, I have something so much better. But, but the things that you're clinging to, they just, they simply cannot make it on this journey. And yet so many people, they cling to who they once were, the good, and settle for good enough instead of what God truly has for them. 
And listen, Jesus does not ask you for this stuff because he wants to make your life miserable. All right, he's not taking the relationship away. He's like, you're gonna be celibate and single for the rest of your life. You're gonna go to Africa and be a missionary and you're gonna like it. That's not what God does. No, he's got good things for your future. His plans are so much greater than the plans you've made for yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the good things that God has stored up for those who love him. His plans are better, they're fulfilling, they've got purpose, they've got intention. Nothing will feel better than walking in the call of God for your life. So he's not asking you to lay it down to give you something less than. He has something greater than the good that you're currently clinging to. But, but ultimately, the, the, the main reason Jesus asks us to lay this kind of stuff down is because he understands anything that does not sit on the altar of sacrifice holds the greatest possibility of drawing you away from him. Anything that we cling to can become the very thing that pulls us back to where we came from. That relationship, that schedule, that vision, if you follow it long enough, it can be the very thing that takes you out. I didn't tell the story last service, but um, I remember when we were youth pastors, there was a, a family in our youth ministry that had a, a kid that was really talented in a particular sport. I'm gonna try to keep this as ambiguous as possible just in case they listen to the podcast. Um, but uh, th their, their son was uh, on par to potentially make it to the Olympics or become a professional athlete. And he'd already been on the junior Olympic team and um, there was a really bright future for him. But I watched during his high school career as his relationship with Jesus became secondary to his pursuit of sports. And uh, suddenly he was never around at church anymore. And, you know, he wasn't really as interested in the things of God. But right before he went off to college, um, he just kind of got this fire in his heart again for Jesus. And he's like, I know that if I leave and I go away to college, that I am not going to be able to live for Jesus. My foundation is not strong. And I'm terrified of going off to spend another year at the school, knowing that if if I don't have community, if I don't have people that are holding me accountable, I'm, I'm going to make some bad decisions. And so I pleaded with his parents. I said, listen, the scholarships, the scouts, the future, it's all going to be there in a year. Just trust Jesus with this guy, okay? He's your kid. And uh, don't you want what's best for him? Don't you want him to love Jesus and have a strong foundation before he goes off? But I got a lot of resistance from the family. And as much as he begged them to try and stay, they encouraged him to take advantage of the moment that he was living in and to make his way off to college. And just about the moment where they had to make the final decision, I was having a conversation with his father and we're sitting down over coffee and he's just like, you don't understand. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity in the Olympics and the future and the money and the da, 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 da. And I said, I get it, I get it. But sir, you need to make a decision right now. Would you rather see your kid in the Olympics or in heaven? because right now you're making that kind of a decision for him. And he chose wrong. He sent his kid off to college because what was good looked greater than what God had for him. And not to be the prophet of doom, but a year and a half later, his kid had partied himself into addiction, into rehab. Not only did he not make it onto the Olympic team or as a professional athlete, but he made his way right back to his parents' house in his old bedroom to recover from the bad decisions that were supposed to be his good, preferable future. What am I saying? I'm saying that sometimes what looks good is not God. 
And I can point to chairs in this room that used to be occupied by people, yes, even in our short 16-month journey, that were passionately in love with Jesus. But when the moment of decision came where they had to decide, am I going to cling to what is good? Am I going to cling to what's comfortable? Am I going to cling to what I've always known? Or am I willing to let that thing go so that I can chase God's future for me? They chose the past, and they never got a chance to get into God's future. And that is frustrating as a pastor. Man, I hate that stuff. Sometimes I wish I could just shake people. <laughs> Not kids, but, you know, people. <laughs> just to be clear. That's why I don't serve in a kids ministry. I shake kids. Sometimes, like, don't you see what we see? Don't you see the potential? Don't you see the future? Everyone else around you sees it, but you just, you're going to hold on to that? In light of what God has for you, it's frustrating. But, but I've come to this, this place in my journey, I've come to this place as a pastor where I realize that there is only one thing that can motivate people. There's only one thing that can inspire somebody to let go of the past so that they can lay hold of what God has for the future, to let go of what's good to get God. It's very simple. Many of you have encountered it. A four-letter word, love. Only love can do that. Only love can cause somebody to let the calendar go. Only love can cause somebody to let the vision go, or the money go, or the wanderlust go, or the reputation go, or the relationship go. Only love will inspire you to make that kind of a radical decision. And here's why. Here's what love understands, and nothing else can come close to this. Love knows that what's left in love is never sacrificed. What's left in love is never sacrificed, it's only invested. My, my wife and I, we're, we're going to celebrate 16 years of marriage this May, and uh, I, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Mom, no. <laughs> 16 years of marriage, and even though we've been married forever now, um, I still remember what it was like on our wedding day. I remember standing up there at the altar and watching my beautiful bride walk down the aisle, and she's still beautiful today, love you, baby. Um, but. Uh, it was, you know, this surreal moment where you're making these statements that you've only seen in movies before. And like many of you, I made some covenants. I made uh, some statements to her. And I said, you know, in sickness and in health, uh, in, in richer or poorer, uh, in all of these things, I, I'm going I'm I'm to be yours. And then I made a statement that most of you probably made at your wedding as well. And I meant it when I said it. I said, forsaking all others, I keep myself unto you until death do us part. Forsaking everybody else, I keep myself to you. Now, when I said that to her, there was only one thing going through my mind. I love you so much. Let me tell you what was not going through my mind. I was not going, you know, forsaking all others. There's like four billion other ladies on the planet. Like, that's a lot of ladies. I'm sure some of them are really great. Maybe, maybe I should like, you know, just check things out a little bit or am I getting married too young? I was pretty young. So maybe I should, you know, maybe I should hold off on this and play the field. None of that crossed my mind. Thank God. Why? Because I was staring at the object of my affection and love said, it doesn't matter what I'm giving up in order to get that. Like all of that is secondary. It is nothing compared to what I'm getting in return. 
The object of my affection was standing in front of me and love realized what's left in love, this is not a sacrifice. This is easy to do because I know the love that I have for her is so much greater than anything else that could compare. That's what love does. And I am convinced today that if we truly got a glimpse of the object of our affection, if we saw Jesus for who he truly was, if we saw his mercy, if we saw his grace, if we saw his goodness, if we saw his peace, his joy, his plan for our lives, that it would not be difficult to let these things go and we would no longer desire to cling to them because they would look like trash in comparison to what we get in return. His love would be so much greater. His plan would be so much greater, and this stuff would become a distant memory. It doesn't matter. I will easily let this go so that I can get what God has for me. Only love can do that. And listen, if you're here today and you have not yet experienced that level of love or you are questioning whether or not Jesus loves you, let me remind you, his love is proven even in this text for you. Here's the thing about love. Love always leads. Love always goes first. No, love never asks anything from you before it's done something for you. And the reason Jesus can ask you to do something so audacious, like deny yourself and to lay down your life on a cross and to let go of your past so that you can lay hold of the future is because he has already led the way in all three of those areas for you. He denied himself when he left his throne in heaven and he came to earth and he lived among the humanity that he created. He left an atmosphere where angels 24-7 were circling his throne singing holy, holy, holy. And he came down on earth where they, all they did was curse him and all they did was reject him. And the Bible says that the majority wanted nothing to do with Jesus. But he left that. He denied himself his glory and he took on humanity so that he could bear our burdens, so that he could understand our temptations, so that he could face everything you face and be victorious over it. And then he can look at you and say, hey, take up your cross because he is standing at the front of the line with a cross on his back that he did not deserve. And he can say, lose your life, let go of it so that you can truly have life because he was the one who lost his life first so that every single one of us could live to the fullest according to scripture. He's done it all already. Love led you here. And so he's not asking you to go first. He's asking you to respond. So I think if he were here today, he would look around the room and he would issue the same invitation. I think he would look at every single one of us and he would say, hey, I've got great things for your future. Will you deny yourself? Will you take up your cross? Will you let go of your old life and let me lead you into a life that you can't even imagine? And I'm going to issue that same invitation to you today. Yeah, I know that some of you have been on the journey for 30 or 40 years before, but listen, one of the most interesting things about this text is that it starts out by saying, Jesus said to the crowd that was following him. In other words, whether you're here for the first time or you've been on the journey for a century, there is a fresh invitation to the followers of Jesus. Will you come again? Will you follow again? What is it today that you've got in the case? What is it that you've been holding back? What is it that you've been clinging to that is preventing you from walking into God's preferable future for you? Let it go. Come on, on the last Sunday of January, the start of a new year, the start of a new decade, do not let another year pass while you cling to what was good at the cost of God. Let's lay hold of all that God has for us. 
Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.